Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Well, Lauren, we just really want to thank you, first of all, for being here on the podcast with us. Um, thanks for giving up some of your time to, to join us. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So we'd just like to ask you to introduce yourself a little bit and, in a sense, just kind of give us an, an idea of, of who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I am originally from California, and uh, the last five years I've been working on a doctorate in clinical psychology and just graduated with that degree and accepted a position at Baylor and their university counseling center. So I'm working with their students right now. Well, Lauren, we know you to be very passionate about uh, MKs, which is missionary kids. Uh, we know we sometimes call them TCKs, third culture kids. So tell us, tell us how and where your interest began with MKs. Yeah. So prior to working on this last degree, I, I got a master's in marriage and family therapy. And as I was ending up that degree, I was invited to, to come to this conference. It's called Breathe. It's through Catalyst International and was invited to support uh, missionary kids, teens, and children in processing their, their unique experiences being on the field. And so I was doing at the time a lot of work with adolescents and with children in the States. And so was invited to help develop a program, a counseling program. It was something that hadn't been done yet at this conference. There's a lot of focus for counseling for the adults and for parents. Um, But it was really this uh, on-the-job learning experience where I got to partner with families and this organization to to figure out how can we support these, these kids and these adolescents. And I've gone back five times since and there has just been this, this growing passion. Uh, and then as I started my doctoral program, uh, it was pretty obvious for me when I thought about the research I wanted to do for my dissertation that I wanted to focus it around missionary kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has been kind of this, this unique part of um, my career, my passion, what I've kind of thought as a blending together of, of things that I really love. So missions, travel, culture, um, faith, psychology. It's just been a beautiful marriage. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I've probably sat down with over 150 MKs and uh, their families and thought about their unique experiences and have heard so many stories. And there's been some pretty similar threads that, are woven between each of these, these stories. And yet each one is so unique, you know, depending on the passport country, the, the country that the individual is born in, um, you know, thinking about the country that they're serving in and working in and, 
And so it's, it's been complex. I think what I've discovered is a posture of curiosity to be most salient as I seek to understand each experience. But something that has been common has been these themes around um, multiculturalism and identity uh, and also around mobility and trans transition. So these are things that are very common for MKs to experience, right? They're trying to figure out who am I? And then they're trying to grapple with all the transitions that usually surround them, whether it's uh, their own family moving from one country or culture to another, or maybe the people around them moving. So those have been some really salient themes that have popped up. And uh, I've heard quite a few stories about who am I? I remember this one boy, he was, um, he was from a Western culture and was living in um, Eastern Africa. And he talked about feeling like he was a white dot on a black page. Mm-hmm. And, and that was his, his metaphor to me of feeling so out of place. Um, not knowing how to make sense of who he is and where he's living and and what does that mean about him. I remember uh, another story that comes up and thinking about transition, a young girl talking about on the last day of school, just hiding and crying in in this kind of this room, this closet area as she just didn't want to deal with any more goodbyes. It was just too painful and, and so she just stayed and waited till everybody left so that she didn't have to say goodbye another time. I know that myself being an, an MK, one of the things that was always a struggle was how different my parents' experience mm. of what they were going through was from my own. Mm. As um, just the, the difference of host, culture, host country, home country, uh, the things where people would say, oh, aren't you glad to be home? And when I was in the U.S. and well, I didn't really know how to answer that question. Yeah. What would you say is one of the biggest or some some of the biggest challenges that MKs, at least the ones that you've talked to, face that their parents just don't quite understand? Mm. Well, you just named it so well that that piece of home, that piece of belonging. I think that that's something that parents seek to understand, and maybe to a degree. They can understand, but there's a lot that is just missing through the lived experience. So for the parent, typically they have been raised in one culture and then as an adult decided to move to another culture. And that's not always the case. Sometimes there's kind of generations of families who are missionaries, um, but oftentimes the identity development of the parent occurred and you know, one culture, and then they transitioned. So for their child, for their adolescent, their identity development is taking place between multiple cultures. They're having multiple influences in these various realms, um, impacting kind of identity, who I am, where I belong, even in terms of their faith journey as well, and the work that their family is a part of, it is, it is incredibly complex. And like you mentioned, they, you know, go, go back to their passport country on furlough or for sabbatical or support raising. And like you said, people say, welcome home. And there is this, 
this deep pain and inconsistency and what some researchers call it like a um, cultural homelessness or feeling like a cultural nomad, um, not being grounded to a place because they, you know, let's say that they're American, um, maybe they look American, they look like the people around them in that place that they're visiting. People say, welcome back. And yet they don't feel like this is home. And let's say they're living in Thailand and they go back to Thailand and people say, where are you from? And inside their heart's longing to say, here, I'm Thai. I, I sit with Thai culture. This is home to me. And yet in neither place do they feel fully home or even fully accepted. So I think that that's something that, that is really challenging for parents to understand. Mm. So Lauren, if, it, if you're uh, counseling an MK and you're at the Breathe Conference in Switzerland and they're pouring out their heart and some of these being misunderstood and, and not feeling like they, you know, belong anywhere. Just um, mm -hmm. what, what are just some of the ways that you uh, speak to them and affirm them? Mm -hmm. You know, a big part of the work is seeking understanding and listening. Mm -hmm. And, and these MKs, they need a place to just process the complexity of their experience. And, it is normative to them, right? This is their normal experience. And so sometimes it's hard for us to name what's normal because it's just the air we breathe. And so sitting down with them and asking them, um, you know, if I stick with that example I was talking about previously, what's it like for your passport to say American and for you to have some family there? And once in a while you go to school there for a little bit and yet you live in Thailand and you're a part of this community and this school, and you really enjoy this food and this culture, what is that like? Mm -hmm. So depending on the age, I might ask them to draw me a picture or um, write out some words of what it's like, that experience. And, and first, it's to help them name it, to make sense of what might feel like this jumbled, confusing uh, experience inside of them. And from there to, to help them normalize it and to help them think about how do I integrate these aspects of my life? Because that would be the hope is that in the midst of all this confusion, we can identify some clarity of identity, of cultural identity, of spiritual identity, and integrate those together and help them make meaning of that, whatever that might be to them. And then, you know, depending on their experiences, you know, I've got some kids who are in very um, violent or dangerous places, whether that's um, because of political, you know, just unrest or a, a part of the area, you know, the world that they're living in or the area of the world that they're living in. It can be pretty complicated um, and there can be some unique challenges. And so it may be digging into something specific about political unrest and safety, processing, you know, experiences of maybe a coup taking place and where the child was when they heard about the coup and processing maybe trauma around that experience. Mm. Uh, or maybe it's processing grief related to these goodbyes uh, and, and helping them understand this, this deep sadness inside of them and search for connectedness 
and belonging with others. Wow. Well, from some of your conversations with these MKs, what would be your encouragement to parents mm-hmm. who are listening to this interview? Silas uh, asked a great question earlier where, you know, the parents have been born uh, in one culture and then eventually they move to the host culture they now mm-hmm. live in. But these children, my own children, were born in the culture that they were reared in over in Southeast Asia. We would think that parents totally get their own kids. They're, the ki- they're their kids, but mm-hmm. yet their kids' experience is actually very different from theirs in so many ways. So what is your encouragement to parents who are listening to this interview with regard to maybe going uh, to a deeper, you know, a deeper level of understanding, uh, second and third level questions with their kids to draw them out? That's great. You know, one thing that I haven't mentioned, we've talked about some of the, the challenges that MK's experience. I do want to note that of these kids that I've spoken to, the majority say they enjoy their experience. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them talk about gratitude uh, for these unique experiences they have. So I want to name that. I I know that in conversations with parents, there has been shame that has come up as they think about the challenges their children face and maybe they're feeling responsible or they're feeling bad trying to grapple with, is this okay for my child to have this pain? Is this a sacrifice that they should bear or they shouldn't? Um, So I just want to name that, that there is a lot of uh, benefits and a lot of blessings and just wonderful things that come from being an MK. Um, and something I, I want to, to offer parents is the understanding that their kids probably want to talk about these things. You know, I found when I sat down with kids, it is, um, it's a time where I, I get this picture of it just kind of like a waterfall of feelings and thoughts coming out. And I'm, I'm realizing, boy, they are dying to talk about these things. Mm. And so a parent may, may feel uncomfortable. I don't want to broach it. I don't want to bring up something painful. Maybe this isn't true for their child, um, but maybe it is. And so I would just encourage them to take courage and to have these conversations that may bring up some painful things, may be challenging, may be really encouraging, but I'd say in general, it will be rich and it will be really meaningful and connecting. That's really good, Lauren. That's great. Great advice. Mm-hmm. You think that some of the, one of the reasons that parents don't want or don't ask those questions is because they don't know what questions to ask. Hmm. You know, I think that's a piece of it. I think um, one might be they don't want to know the answer hmm. because of shame or fear um, because they love their kids so much. Right. And so it's, it's painful to think about their choice of, um, or their calling, moving somewhere might cause pain. And so it, it can be painful and you'd rather maybe just not know. Um, but I do agree that I think there, there's another part that parents don't know how to ask or you don't even know what you don't know, right? So because this, this is the men, their experience as adults moving over, they don't realize to think about the complexity of the cultural, multicultural experience of their children or the impact transition has on their children. So I think that 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 is a big piece of it too, of just not knowing what do I ask. So I think that there's some really practical questions that you can ask of just saying, 
hey, what's it like for you to be an MK? Right? Just sit down with, um, with your child. And I'd, I'd say do it individually, maybe you have multiple children. Sit down with them individually and make it a special time. And just saying, I want to I learn more about you today. I want to talk with you. I want some special time with you. Uh, and then ask them, hey, what's, what's hard about it? Or what's difficult about it, right? Using language, obviously appropriate for their age. Mm-hmm. And then maybe going on and saying, what's it like to think about this? You know, what, what are you feeling as we're talking right now? What's coming up for you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be helpful, again, depending on age, is to offer a few different emotions. Gosh, I wonder if maybe you feel sad as we think about this together. Mm. Or maybe maybe there's things that feel scary or confusing. Uh, or, or maybe there's some happiness too and some pride and delight and feeling like you have a unique and special life or kind of throwing out some options for them to grab onto. And they'll let you know, right? They'll say, no, I mean, it's not scary. But it is maybe sad. And then so to say, sad, gosh, tell me about that. That makes sense. So your kids are going to want to protect you in a way too. Just as you don't want to feel the pain, they often don't want you to have to feel their pain. Mm -hmm. And so when you enter in with that curiosity and saying, hey, that makes sense. Tell me more. That's going to allow them the freedom to just open up and to share and not feel bad, not feel like they're hurting you. And then another thing is, is just to say, hey, is there anything that maybe I, I don't seem to understand about your experience? Um, maybe something that you, you want me to know that I just don't maybe seem to get. And you can make that specific. Maybe they're going to an international or a local school or maybe they're homeschooled. And so to, to phrase the question around that or to pose it around a youth group or even a lack of youth group if they're just depending on, you know, what's available in your area. Uh, so you can also make these questions pretty specific too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing I would caution parents is the, the need to fix or the need to explain, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes we can feel inclined to fix the situation because of course you don't want your child to feel pain or maybe you want to explain to them so that they'll understand. But again, those things in that moment, those aren't what matter. What matters is just hearing the experience, validating it, saying things like, of course, that makes sense. Thanks for sharing that with me. It means so much to know this about you. Wow, so rich, Lauren. <clears throat> you know, you were just talking about parent doing something very practical, namely having a great array of questions that mm-hmm. they can ask just to help their children process their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking specifically about that reality of, of uh, workers' lives, and that is transition. And you mm-hmm. mentioned it earlier, you know, I always say one of the middle names of of every global worker is transition. And uh, what uh, do you have any practical exercise that you um, would advise parents to do with their kids that just help them with yet another transition? That's a great question. Um, What's first coming to mind is there's going to be variance on age. And so the younger you are, I think it's important to think about, um, just the anxieties that may not be able to be named. And so when we move to a new area, we 
no longer know the parks we like to go to or the stores we walk to or the drive that we're used to. Nothing's familiar anymore. And in the literature that talks about, they call that hidden losses. And so to begin to just pull up Google and type in that place and show pictures, any, any sort of uh, information that could be grounding. So whether that's photos of the home or apartment that you may be moving to, uh, even pictures of maybe what the room might look like that they're going to be living in and then dreaming together. Okay, where do you think you might put the bed? What else are you going to put in there? And talking about things in the home that will be going with them to that place. And maybe looking around and seeing what's in that area. Maybe we'll eat here. Oh, this is what the school looks like. So I'm talking about this would be for young children um, and and a way of preparing them, helping reduce anxiety of simply the unknowns. I imagine aspects would be helpful for older children as well. And then I think it's important to talk about um, emotions surrounding it. Right. So maybe drawing a picture. Can you draw me a picture of our home? Draw me a picture of the new home. And as a child is doing that, they are processing their experiences in their head. And it's important and interesting to see what might be large in the picture, what might be small, what might be vague. So the picture of the current home might have lots of detail. And then the new home, that may have very little detail. And that's going to speak to the unknowns, to the the confusion. And that's something that a parent can just talk about. And you don't need to be a psychologist to, to be able to say, wow, this house has lots of trees and lots of detail. Wow, that looks great. Oh, and this house, this looks good too. Hmm, but I notice it looks a little different than the other house. It has has a little less um, drawing on it. And can you tell me about that? What's that like? Right, so that's one way to just help process. And then for an adolescent is to, to name it a little bit more explicitly. So because of where they're at in their cognitive development and emotional development, they may be able to access some of those emotions more readily. So to say, hey, what's this like? And you may get a shrugged shoulder and a grind or it's fine. And and so then for the parent to enter into that and say, yeah, yeah, it's it's totally going to be fine, right? Meet them where they're at. And then to say, and There's a lot of unknown and maybe for the parent, they can disclose their own experience. Gosh, I feel a little overwhelmed. I'm, I'm sad to leave my friend. This is going to be hard. And to, to wonder together, Hey, what do you think it's going to be like three weeks before we go? What do you think it's going to be like a week before we go? And just process that together. Hey, who do you want to say goodbye to? How do you want to do that? Give them some power and volition because a lot of the experience can be pretty helpless, right? We're just moving and that's okay. But to give them the opportunity, yeah, you want to have a sleepover with that friend? What kind of food do you want? Just making it as special and giving them as much voice as possible. Uh, and then again, thinking about the future, processing possible emotions. Um, what do you think it'll be like in terms of friends, right? Just a lot of imagining together. It's great advice for pre-field people, Lauren. Well done. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. And speaking of our pre-field people, I'm just imagining either a, a parent of kids or, or somebody who's getting ready to go in the field who's thinking, well, do I want to raise a family there? 
and mm. listening to this and wondering, oh no, what on earth am I putting my kids through or about to put my mm. kids through? What would be something that you would want to say as a kind of a, a word of encouragement or uh, advice for these new parents or new new people going to the field? Yeah, you know, I think I think what rises to the surface for me is that God loves your children more than you ever possibly could and he sees them and he loves your family and just abiding in those those truths of of who he is and um, the depth of his love for us which offers us provisions and offers us protection and there is a lot of unknowns going to the field and there's maybe some known challenges that might arise, but there is also some incredible experiences that will be had. And even for your children, they are going to have an expanded worldview. They're going to see people differently and experience the world differently in a way that, that most can't connect to. And I think that is an incredible gift that, that comes from this kind of experience. Yes, it is. We can, we can yes and amen that right now. Well, Lauren, this is so rich, so thankful to just to, have, to know you, to have been introduced to you by one of our good friends, mutual friends. And uh, we're going to be doing a follow-up interview with Lauren. And for that one, you're going to tell your kids, hey, guys, I want us to listen to this together. This, this, this lady, Lauren, has such great things to say to you right now. So we're looking forward to that. But for today, just you've, you've already deposited so much in us as we've listened to you. Uh, would you end by just praying a prayer of blessing and impartation over us and our listeners today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be honored to. God, we thank you. We thank you for this space. We thank you for the ability to, to come together virtually and um, and to connect on such important topics of missions. And and, uh, God, we just know that missionary kids and families are so close to your heart and and you see them, you see their needs, you see see the challenges and the joys and the pain. And God, we just find such comfort in that. Holy Spirit, would you... Would you bless these families? Holy Spirit, would you bring comfort? Uh, And Spirit, would you bring truth and peace? God, I thank you that you see the needs. And so in in these moments of need, God, would would you reveal yourself to be your loving, um, your your loving self, you being the kind father that is seeing the needs of your children. God, I pray a blessing over ministries um, and marriages and families. We pray for connection and unity and wholeness and health. God, we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lauren, thank you again so much. Yeah, it's my privilege. Thanks for having me on today. Hey, listeners, thank you as always for tuning in to Resiliency. Before we wrap up, I would like to take a moment to ask you for help. One of our listeners recently suggested we do an episode on language learning anxiety. So Steve and I want to hear from you, specifically stories or experiences that reflect stress and anxiety over language learning. If you have a story to share, we would love to hear it. Email us at resiliencypodcast at antiochwaco.com. 
or send a message on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And as always, thank you for tuning in to Resiliency. Resiliency.